we found exactly the same relation between college trained nurses and university trained nurses in uh, Canada and Australia. So I think it's something about nurses. However, um, we then looked at personal care attendants who have um, what, six months to a 12 month certificate in Canada. And our issue is what opportunities are there for personal care attendants to go to the diploma to go to? And um, it's got nothing to do with the education side of the house. Yes, the programs were articulated. Yes, they're offered by the same institutions. Yes, they've met all. It's all on the employment side of the house because of the, sh the, sh the shape of the occupation. There are um, a large number of degree trained nurses, there are a large number of personal care attendants, and very few pe people who are employed as, uh, in the intermediate. And so the personal care attendants. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's an hourglass, and, and, and so the, 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 the rates of transfer had, had got all to do with the labour market, the structure of the labour market, yeah. uh, not even the dynamics, because they work in the same teams, so it, it, it's the structure of the labour market. And it also could have been the case that they were um, on-the-job training was leading to those intermediary positions, perhaps? Good point. I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> haven't, haven't, haven't looked at that. <laughs> thank you. Well, uh, thank you very much for this. Um, this work was funded by the Ontario Ministry responsible for labour. Um, and they, um, uh, we submitted them a proposal, which they accepted, to review uh, <coughs> bachelor degrees offered by colleges after 10 years. So these are degrees, quote, in an imply, applied area of study, applied degrees. And um, we uh, write that up for Jim and Fiona. We had on our team Michael Skolnick, who is a prominent scholar in North America on uh, college matters, and uh, graduate assistants. These are, these are foreigners, I think, in your uh, system. These are uh, research students who are on a scholarship and for that scholarship, they're expected to work 10 hours a week. So they're sort of like research assistants, but <sighs> there's a lot of training. It's a, it's a training place. Um, but they, they were uh, very good. However, you're blaming uh, this session on Lisa and me. So if you go into the, one of the hip cafes in Melbourne, and order a coffee, as we say in North America, you get a deconstructed coffee. So, uh, uh, if you want a short black, you pour that into your cup. If you want a long black, you pour, etc., etc. And these are the ingredients that I propose in this session.
Moving from one of the peaks of coffee to one of the world nadirs of coffee making, Canada. <laughs> you can order a coffee with room. Do you have do you have coffees with room? In fact, yeah, and and that is long black with a big space at the top, so you can put in a lot of milk. And so, um, if I run out of in interesting things to say, you'll have a presentation with room for questions. So, a bit of context, since you're in a foreign land. <laughs> Here is Ontario. Here is the habitable part of Canada, is the 47th parallel. And there is as much Canada to the north. Permafrost, frozen, Greenland, towards the North Pole. Big country, geographically, but um, modest size in population, just a little bit bigger than the OECD mean. Now, adults whose highest educational qualification is a bachelor, Canada and the UK, um, they're the same, within measurement error perhaps. OECD, much lower, I suggest because a lot of, especially the DAC countries, German-speaking countries, um, proceed to an apprenticeship and they don't get either a um, bachelor degree or, or, or a college diploma. <coughs> here's the interesting thing. Um, short cycle higher education, which in Canada is a diploma or a certificate or possibly an associate degree in some provinces, 28% of adults have got one of those two-year quali two, two qualification, much higher than the UK and the OECD. So the colleges in Ontario and in Canada are very, very strong. Yes, there are differences in hierarchy. Yes, everybody prefers to go to university, blah, blah, blah. But the colleges, we're not allowed to say this on the other side. They're well-funded, they're well-respected, um, and um, their qualifications are valued in the labour market. So, uh, I started, we started off our review of what Ontario's applied degrees are by having a look at what the literature said an applied degree was. And I started with the OECD 1973 um, Dorothea Firth, who, who was talking about alternatives to universities, and then it became applied. And these were the uh, major fault lines, the major differences. Um, entirely predictable. And uh, Michael Skolnick, our colleague, found that there were two traditions in regulating applied degrees currently. One is to say, well, an applied degree or a degree offered by a college 
is of the same standard, but they meet different criteria. And uh, if you can get in any coherence into Eisegate's <laughs> distinction between vocational and general or academic education, that's the way I interpret it. Alberta, certainly. Um, Canada has a much ignored qualifications framework and uh, uh, it posits applied degrees as being on the same level, the same standard, but of a rather different character. Amongst the 12 uh, jurisdictions that Skolnick looked at, um, it, it was far more common for um, applied degrees to have the same standard, the same criteria, but just a different orientation, however that was described. And uh, here is the requirement in Ontario. So uh, college degrees have to do this mastery of bodies of knowledge, which is said to be what describe universities degrees and in addition in addition they've got to master um, the knowledge and skills to be an effective practitioner so all universities have to do is to uh, educate in the body of knowledge college applied degrees have got to educate in the body of knowledge and in a field of practice so college degrees are obviously better um, that's not how they see. It's a requirement that they have um, substantial, we call them co-op experience, or you know, time in the workplace, associate work integrated learning, I think the international literature. And uh, there's the number of degrees, steady increase. Um, and here's enrolments. You'd think that a graduate certificate would be higher in the Ontario Qualifications Framework than an undergraduate degree. Oh no, graduate certificates are offered by colleges, so they therefore must be lower than degrees which are offered by universities. So, um, we see that the bulk of uh, students in colleges are in two-year diplomas. Um, applied degrees are only 6.5% of enrolments, but they've grown very fast off a low base. Um, same to graduate certificates. And uh, here are the fields in which they're offered. Applied arts is um, computer games and web site designing. That's in applied arts. Uh, business, these programs are kind of niche international business. Health, um, the Bachelor of Nursing that qualifies um, uh, graduates for professional practice in nursing are university qualifications which are mostly offered jointly with colleges. 
And three years ago, the college has said, well, since we are offering them mostly, why don't we take them all over? The education bureaucracy said yes. The health bureaucracy said no, because it would lower the standing of professional nurses in the field. So um, health underrepresented in degrees, uh, the rest predictable. And uh, here are for all of our colleges, and you can see that uh, degrees are dominated by the big five, most of them in uh, Toronto, Toronto uh, but some of them in uh, the regional cities within two hours drive of Toronto. So here was our study. We looked at a whole bunch of uh, material and what we will present this afternoon is our analysis of the curriculum and the results of our interviews with um, uh, college leaders. They were typically deans and deputy directors. And we uh, used for the analysis of that and the websites and the degree rules Bernstein's distinction between classification and framing. So how clearly did the college in its description of the applied degree syllabus and distinguish between disciplinary knowledge and applied knowledge and um, practical knowledge and how explicit were those distinctions and how much was it left to uh, people to have the cultural capital to work it out themselves and framing how much did the degree rules uh, constrain um, students' selection, sequencing of subjects? And uh, we compared three types of institutions. Colleges, and we looked at architecture, technology, music, counting, uh, physio, and psychology. And these experiential uh, universities, so uh, University of Waterloo uh, established uh, with an early emphasis on cooperative education or work integrated learning. Uh, Ryerson, a polytechnic uh, turned university which um, uh, presents itself in sharp contrast to the effete University of Toronto up the road, which teaches classics and history and other such uh, fripperies. Uh, you know, very much business and, you know, 21st century and all that, uh, etc. And then these research-intensive universities, University of Toronto, York University, would like to think of itself as Warwick. Queen's University would like to think of itself as St. A. 
And uh, here's um, Diane's analysis of the curriculum. So if we look at uh, a college's accounting program, half of it was in applied studies, much lower in the experiential universities accounting program, and similarly in the traditional universities accounting program. And if we see the theoretical, less than the applied studies at the college, rather much at the uh, applied university and likewise at the traditional university, the studies outside of the uh, occupational field. Uh, what is it? Ten percent or so, both at the college and um, at the applied university, but <laughs> huge at the uh, traditional university, and um, cooperative or work placement, um, the required amount at the college and rather more at the experiential university and none at all at the traditional university. This is not a good representation of all of their offerings because um, uh, several disciplines in the um, traditional universities do have co-op placements and things, but those are the ones we chose. And so we suggest that... Uh, and, 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 and we look... So, so that was accounting, architecture, music and psychology, etc, etc, etc. So we suggest there's a pattern there. Um, we suggest that colleges applied degrees were distinctively different from the experiential universities and from the traditional universities. Uh, and this is what the college leaders and the deans and the academics, faculty, uh, said about the uh, applied degrees. That theory and practice is integrated, not just combined. And so um, very often I think one still hears engineering, university engineering students say, well, the thermodynamics lab never coincides with the, with the lecture series. Well, um, it's all done in the same teaching environment and in the same class in, uh, in colleges. Uh, that may not be a good thing, but that's the way to do it. And one way of integrating um, theory and practice was to offer well, uh, projects and um, many, many uh, college applied degrees had as their final um, major piece of work a project which integrated their um, previous work. So they will typically do two years on campus, third year go on their work placements, on the fourth year they'd come back and do one of these projects. Um, don't know how common it is in the UK, but... Um, Ontario college degrees are taught in cohorts, a bit like school. 
you know, you're sitting in the same subjects with all of your students enrolled in that program. And so that's uh, strong horizontal integration between the subjects. And uh, it can also facilitate strong vertical integrations because the same students are taking the same subjects in the same sequence. So the, co the cohort uh, teaching uh, experience is uh, very, very strong. Uh, all have what we call cooperative education. None of them mentioned the magic words authentic assessment, but that's actually what they claim to do. That is to say, assess um, students not for their ability to master academic disciplinary knowledge and skills, but their ability to solve problems that they might meet in practice. Authentic assessments. So, um, generally we gave um, Ontario Colleges applied degrees a uh, good report. They generally uh, achieved their aims. The limitations, which um, we don't mention in the slides, were first a lack of electives. These so-called electives or subjects taken outside of your discipline had very little choice available for students and that was regarded as a limitation even by the college leaders and the uh, teachers and certainly by the students and so um, you know they'd take one or two subjects outside their department and they might have a choice of one or two and that's it whereas in the university course. so that was one uh, limitation another limitation was that um, however well applied degrees might be accepted in the labour force and the employment outcomes were quite good because if you've done a placement with an employer um, not every single university admitted applied degrees as a qualification for entry to the master's program and Lisa has, has had long battles within a certain university on that issue. She's winning. Um, so they were the biggest uh, limitations. And we suggested that if universities weren't going to accept colleges applied degrees for admission to their master's programs, then perhaps colleges should be authorised to offer their own master's programs. An invitation which the colleges themselves were most reluctant to accept. That was a very impertinent suggestion. So, uh, um, One uh, 
challenge that occurred to us afterwards uh, was the internal management of applied degrees. And I think that this applies generally where you've got two markedly different sectors, FE and HE. Where you've got less than 4% uh, of your uh, offerings in the other sector, so you're a university and you offer less than 4% FE, or you're an FE college and you offer less than 4% of HE, then um, internally it's not so difficult to manage, I suggest. You have a whole system set up for your majority sector, and then you just will have, we'll have an exception here, and we'll have an exception there, and you just do these manual exceptions. Have a special form for it, that'll do it. Where you've got more than 20% in the other sector, whichever way, then you, you've got to have a separate computer system, you've got to have separate terms and conditions for your academics, you've got to have separate admission criteria, you've got to have separate administration systems to report to your separate um, accrediting bodies. You've got to have two systems. You've got to have... You've got to be a dual sector. It's in this mixed sector where you've got problems. Um, you don't have enough in the other sector to justify setting up a new software system, but it's, it's a lot to manage as exceptions. And um, uh, we found a lot of our colleges were, were there. And uh, a, a, a second uh, problem, my issue really, issue, was that um, regardless of how it's presented, um, there are two distinct tiers in uh, Ontario, uh, a college and a university, and they're treated very differently, um, and they have very different... Uh, arrangements which uh, could be a strength. If you're a functionalist, it's a strength because you've got different needs in society and you need different sectors to handle them. Or, as uh, college leaders were likely to think, it was a weakness because they were always the other. Um, so, this... Uh, led us to one final point. So here's Dorothea Firth saying that when the second sector, the second um, type of institution, the non-university higher education provider, seeks to offer higher education, it is constrained by the social and scholarly dynamics to adopt the characteristics of the dominant sector and then you wonder <laughs> about the benefits of having the second sector. 
But to get acceptance of your applied degrees, you've got to make them look like university degrees, and yet you argued for them precisely because they'll be. There's, there's a tension. And uh, what we're suggesting is that colleges could try something very different. Rather than, as our colleges are, seeking to emulate universities in conducting research, but it's applied research, but we've got to publish in the scholarly journals to get uh, standing, etc., etc. Rather than do that, do something different. Look at the um, rules and procedures of practice. Try to codify them. Try to um, express them at a higher epistemic level so that the way to become, the way to develop practitioner skills is not just by practicing them in the workplace. Try to codify them so it's possible to develop them um, on campus. We can see that happening in uh, other occupations um, and in the high-status occupations, engineering, law, medicine. You've got whole institutions. Uh, you've got occupational associations. You've got standards bodies. You've got accrediting bodies that set standards and codify practice which... Uh, is the raw material for um, applied disability knowledge taught on campus. But in many of the occupations for which colleges prepare graduates, there is no such body. It is unregulated, there are no occupational associations, there is no body to systematise practice. So why not colleges do that? that is a, a little suggestive. There are the references. Thank you for your attention. Thank you.